0: Hello listeners and welcome to our first ever Marketing Pod podcast, B2B Marketing, making plans when the future is unknown. My name's Emma, I'm a content writer here at Pod and with me today I have our lovely leaders Jodie and Jen. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Jodie and Jen founded the pod back in 2013 and we're all very glad that they did. We've grown so much in the past few years, and like any growing business, we face some challenges along the way. But I think you'll both agree with me when I say that nothing could really have prepared us for this year and all that has happened so far.
1: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) And that's what we're really here to talk about, how the coronavirus pandemic has impacted the professional lives of B2B marketers and inevitably their personal lives too. Your own experiences as marketing leaders, Jodie and Jen and what you believe marketing teams can or should be doing during this unusual time to keep on communicating with their audiences and also to plan and prepare for the future. And so, Jodie, on that note, perhaps we could start by talking about what, in your opinion, B2B marketers will have found most difficult about this whole experience from a business perspective.
2: Well, there's actually, from a business perspective, there's actually quite a lot I could probably say here, but I think one of the main things has been the lack of opportunity for prospecting, for reaching out to potential new customers. Acquisition has undoubtedly become much more difficult during this time for obvious reasons, such as the lack of face-to-face engagement, for example. So for B2B marketers, growth, if it can be found, really needs to be found through their existing clients by building on the already established relationships that they hold. It's taken quite a shift in, in perspective for some businesses, but for those who have been able to successfully pivot during this crisis and refocus their efforts, will hopefully have seen some tangible reward. I think, Jen, you'll agree that we've actually seen some of this ourselves. I think because we had been growing and, and still are growing, Um, And our team has grown as well. We've been planning some really exciting targeted campaigns and live events. But that's all had to go on hold, not cancelled, just on hold until 2021. And we've had to really kind of refocus our efforts.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's it. Absolutely. Our target segments have changed and we've seen that for our clients as well during this crisis. We've been helping them find different ways to grow, though, and it's not about changing everything forever. It's just about refocusing efforts right now. And I think that's also connected to one of the other big challenges, which is that the landscape is just continually changing at the moment from day to day and week to week. We've just all had to adjust, and there is a need to take the temperature of audiences almost on a daily basis as things are literally moving every day. Those things all make it really difficult to plan, but planning is so important to B2B marketeers and those plans do still have to exist and every action is just part of a bigger strategy, even if that has had to pivot, as Jodie said, but they've got to be agile and being agile is kind of one of the most important things at the moment. And we've been saying plan for the months ahead, but just be prepared to adjust that. Stay connected, stay in touch with the market and just be flexible.
0: Right, yes. And that need to stay connected is uh, shaping everything, isn't it? Not just the perspective of markets and audiences, but also when we're thinking about our clients and our teams. Which brings me on to my next question, which is, how would you say that lockdown has affected the way that marketing teams are working? So We seem to be doing okay, but why do you think that is? Have you got any tips for other marketers on how to keep collaboration and creativity going with everyone at a distance from each other?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is, it is really difficult, but I think this is where we're really lucky because, you know, quite frankly, our team are awesome. They are brilliant. Yes, it was a bit scary thinking about trying to maintain our culture and keeping our collaboration going as a team while we're all apart because it is just such a big part of how we work at the pod.
2: Yeah, it is. And there are some things that we knew we wanted to do straight away. So as soon as everybody was working remotely, we put in daily 30-minute Google Hangouts in the diary. And we're still we're keeping those up now. And that's a chance to see each other's faces in the morning, which I personally missed, and quickly run through everything that's in the planning board for the day or the week ahead. And that's been completely invaluable for us. But it's also a chance for anyone to shout up if they're swamped with any of their workload. And there's been a real willingness within the team to step in and offer to help. It's been a, I think you'll agree, Jen, a real team spirit and, you know, loads of empathy. And, From a personal perspective, I absolutely used to hate video calls. They used to be my complete nemesis. I'd get fixated on how I looked. And so I always used to have to be well prepared. But these days, anything goes. I would say to anybody not using them already, just give it a go. I think they're brilliant for building relationships, especially while we're all a bit more casual in our own homes with dogs and children around us as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And by making it a video call rather than just conference calls now, you can gauge people more easily. So you can see if anyone isn't as engaged or if someone is feeling low, they might need some propping up um, that day. But because there will always be days during this time when all of us struggle, you know, it is those ups and downs. It has certainly helped us monitor that across the team. You know and for ourselves personally as well and hopefully you know we can help each other then so even if it's just by putting in a personal call to somebody or you can see that or sending a nice whatsapp or even some gifts you know we all love a gift at pod we send a lot of those. <laughs> we do um, so just being able to do those things really it does make a big difference when you can't physically see people
2: it does it absolutely doesn't one of the things that we've actually done as well which is really bad for the waistline so these these post-covid diets essential but we've started to send the team month-end treats and they help too so we've been sending at the end of every month a pizza to the team which they've I think probably reluctantly had to share with their kids but it has been a big hit
0: (laughs) (laughs) I can vouch for that Um, and uh, what about client relationships has keeping in touch with them been more difficult
2: Uh, Do you know what's stranger? I think actually the opposite is true. I think we've actually, I don't know whether this is a universal experience, but I think on the whole, our clients have actually been easier to reach um, and they're actually a bit more ready for slightly increased, probably more informal level of contact. And I think that's possibly because some of their other activities and meetings have been removed or because there's no longer the pressure of commuting from A to B, or whether it's just because actually they're enjoying, you know, the increased human contact in a virtual environment. Time is still obviously precious, but there just seems to be slightly more of it. And everyone is at their desk, wherever their desk may be. So I think actually, no, we've, we've probably had more client contact than ever.
1: Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. I think it's nice to have that extra little insight into each other's just as human beings, really. I think when, you know, we're all doing these video calls and with clients as well. I sit and work in my kitchen. My children are obviously here as well. And I know that, you know, a lot of our clients have got their partners, children, cats, dogs, you name it. They're all close by as well. So it's not really a separation between our work personas and our home personas anymore. Um, Those kind of bridges are really building and we're all just people at the end of the day. We can all see that. I think there's much more acceptance that we're all capable of still doing a brilliant job, even though we're not in the office together. It might change the way businesses work forever. I really hope so. And I think we've seen quite a lot of businesses coming out and saying that, you know, they've realised that this remote
0: way of working can really work. It can. And because business people are actually human too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, exactly.
1: Exactly. So I think we can all foresee a world in which remote working, flexible working and really different ways of doing things just becomes much more commonplace now. The business world was perhaps a little bit fearful of it before, but I really do think that lockdown has changed that, certainly from the conversations we've had both internally and with clients. I think wanting a work-life balance is something more people will be brave enough to say. And I think that hopefully we'll also be more appreciative of their teams and our teams and the kind of in person contact they can have because we have missed that. You know, video can still not quite the same as sitting in the same room as someone. So we're certainly looking forward to being able to do that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure it will be the case that we'll all want to be back into Pod HQ before long. We're certainly missing it. But before we get all teary eyed, <laughs> I'm going to pull our focus back to the here and now. And um, obviously, we're always thinking about what we can be doing from a distance to help clients reach customers and plan for the future. Are there any activities that you've been recommending clients double down on or any that you've suggested that maybe they want to stop altogether for the time being?
1: Well, every client and circumstance is slightly different, of course, and there will never be a one size that fits all. But we do know that there are some things that are really working right now and some things which aren't having their usual impact. A lot of people are feeling frustrated because the plans they made in Q1 can't be executed in Q2 for obvious reasons, but that doesn't mean that the strategy should be abandoned altogether, it just means that they need to adjust, and some things can be done differently, whereas other things will have to wait until 2021. The budget for Q2 may have shrunk, and it's going to be vital to get maximum value for it, so it needs to be reallocated. The first thing to do before you put a new strategy together is just check in with your audience. It's likely, highly likely, that their priorities will have changed. So make sure you take a step back and just assess whether your marketing messages still answer the right questions and address the right pain points for them now. And if you've had to adapt your service offering or lead times, you'll also need to make sure that's reflected in your messaging as well. It does seem like a really small thing, but it can make all the difference. Customers need transparency, I guess, now more than ever.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Tell them the truth in plain and simple terms. I think a big part of connecting with audience in a way that really resonates is also going to be about returning to the data. You know, go back, right now is a great time to go back to your metrics and make sure they're still telling you what you need to know. If they're not, adjust that first and then stay close to your data. I think we've already said that things keep on shifting, nothing is static, especially now. So your tried and tested campaigns might suddenly start to miss the spot. And actually you might also see that channels that have never been that effective for you suddenly yielding great results. So now more than ever, it's going to be crucial to make sure that you're not wasting your budget and continue to regularly review the data that you're collecting and adapt your strategy and spend accordingly.
0: Right. So you've reassessed your data and you've adapted your strategy. Now to execute it. What tactics, Jen, do you think are working really well at the moment?
1: Okay, well, digital advertising is obviously a big one. Really, to do this really well, you need to do the legwork. You need to analyse the data, find your online audience and then really go for it. It can be tempting to reduce spend at the moment, even on digital, but the brands that stay vocal are likely to be the ones that stay strong at the moment. And if your competitors go quiet, well, that's even better. You can secure a greater share of voice with a lower chunk of budget. Do be sure to adapt your tone of voice. You shouldn't feel the need to explicitly mention COVID-19 in everything you do, but craft all of your ad content through a COVID lens at the moment people's sensibilities have changed and they will keep on changing. Avoid anything too cliched, like we're here for you in these difficult times. And, um, you know, stay focused on your brand purpose, your product benefits and what you can really do for your customers.
2: Absolutely. I, I agree with that, Jen. I think brand purpose and brand equity are kind of the biggies right now. For the first, people want to know what you stand for, what your values are. is going to matter more from now on. I think for the second, building brand equity now will give you resilience in the recession that we are all expecting to come next. The brands that most likely come out of this, the strongest and the best and the fastest are those that will be remembered and remembered for the right reasons. So yeah, keep up the digital advertising and also take the time to experiment with other digital formats like podcasts and webinars. And if you've never plucked up the courage to do one before now, well, now is the time. Um, It's really, really not that complicated. Yeah, we can help. (laughs) And you can build up a brilliant library of content. Um, Use the time wisely. Be sure to create some evergreen content as well, not only on the topical stuff, but stuff that you can use going forward to set yourself up. Yeah, I agree. You know, great content
1: is the foundation of any great campaign. And if you're doing digital now, but your heart really belongs to the kind of stuff that we can't really do now, like face-to-face events or direct mail, you know, remember the elements of strong content, whether that is brilliant copy or really impactful design, can be adapted to suit a range of different formats and purposes.
2: And it's really worth investing in. I completely agree. You don't have to throw away those non-digital elements of your strategy. It's just about delaying them. Don't throw everything in the bin, just pivot. And no one really knows what normal will look like over the coming weeks or even months, but normal service absolutely will resume. And the inventive, exciting strategies that you'd created for this year can hopefully just be repurposed to give you a head start for 2021. I think so many of our clients, especially those in the B2B energy space, were so focused already on sustainability and green action, for example, that this is also going to be even more important right now. So it's really kind of about remoulding. It's not about starting from scratch.
0: Brilliant. Some wise words there. Now, thinking about normal service resuming, as you say, is there anything you've already started planning for when we do return to the office? Any tips you'd give to other marketing teams or businesses for us to wrap up with?
1: I guess the first thing I'd say is don't rush. There's no need to rush. You know, the B2B marketing world has proven that it can do this. Remote working is working really well, and um, we've seen that for us and our clients, and I know that for some businesses, teams and remote working is likely to remain their way of operating as we move forwards. As natural communicators, though, most marketers are probably craving some time away from their kitchen table uh, and to spend some time back amongst their colleagues. But staying safe
2: and well will always and should always be our first priority. On a practical level, I think um, Jen and I have already started thinking about hygiene equipment. We've already planned to install some hand sanitizers and we're already looking at how we can start to stagger work hours and have like a team A and a team B to make sure that we can keep that social distancing in the office. I think having a clear plan for any action you decide to take and being able to offer teams guidance and ongoing reassurance is really critical right now. Marketing teams should definitely have an internal comms strategy as a primary focus while things keep changing. But I do think it's really important to recognise how well we've really done during this time and to acknowledge the quality of work that's possible with dogs and children and under such difficult circumstances. And what we've seen from our clients and from the marketers in our circles is that people are doing some really amazing things, innovating, pivoting, experimenting and seizing every opportunity they can. Yes, leaders should absolutely be planning the logistics of a return to the office or in some cases, better practices for working from home. But for now, I think maybe we just need to take a bit of a bit of a breath and acknowledge that B2B marketers are pretty awesome. You know, you guys kind of rock.
0: <laughs> Brilliant. Thanks, Jodie. And thanks, Jen. I think we'll end on that. And uh, you heard it here first. Uh, B2B marketers rock. Thanks everyone for joining us here today and be sure to look out for our next pod podcast in which we will be joined by a marketing pod client discussing their own experience of going digital during lockdown and the results that they've had so far. Thank you. Thanks both. Bye. Bye.